0: How are you doing at managing stress in your life? In this interview, Dr. Michael Godfrey discusses his recent article on the subject in Texas CEO Magazine. Sit back and listen to this podcast presented by Ask Alliance.
1: Hello uh, I saw the magazine that you'd been telling me about that was coming out. Uh, it was a Texas CEO magazine. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a reboot, of a the that, mm-hmm. relaunch, of that. Yeah. And uh, you had an article there that caught my attention, so I want to talk to you a little bit about that. But tell me a little bit about that uh, that magazine, how that came about for you. There was a um, the launch was pretty interesting. I have some uh, pretty interesting people interviewing that already. I saw Tim Akita was a, the interview, Mark Cuban. Mm-hmm. It kind of had a sports theme to it, mm-hmm. so. Uh, just tell me a little bit how that came about. How did you end up getting that? Uh, I met
0: uh, a young lady here by the name of Lauren Daugherty, who is one of their key players uh, in the relaunch. Mm-hmm. And she invited me to write an article for it. It was uh, this was going to be a relaunch because the other magazine kind of kind of gone yeah. out of uh, circulation. Who's doing it? Is it local? Or is it There's an independent businessman in Austin. In, in Austin. That's doing it. Yeah and uh, they hope this will really
1: be a service to CEOs around. Yeah, yeah. I saw, you know, I read your article and it's through some of the other, day. I want to keep it and look at it. There's some pretty interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but uh, it's pretty magazine yeah. too. Yeah, mean it yeah. it's well done. I saw the digital version anyway. Um, so what approach did they give you guidelines on what to talk about? Or did they just kind of open it up and you got to pick? Or They, they opened it up, but you pick this time. That's yeah. kind of interesting. A lot of times a magazine
0: will have a theme and they'll ask you to get inside of it or, or get an assignment. But this one was pretty open. So.
1: Yeah. So what, what topic did you choose and how did you get there? Uh,
0: my topic was self-awareness. Uh, getting there, I think that's a foundation to managing a lot of things and to being really healthy as a person. Uh, a lot of times I think people go through life on kind of autopilot. Yeah. And there's so many things that get your attention, you know, your family, uh, your work, and all those things cloud your mind where you kind of to lose touch with yourself. Yeah. And you forget that you have needs yeah.
1: as you, well. You start off talking about, assuming the, a the, the, the fictional character that may have been based on your coaching experience, based on a true life story, but mm-hmm. was it Nate or Nathaniel? You start off with, mm-hmm. the story, you, you start with, uh, tell us of Nathaniel or Nate or from.
0: Yeah, Nate has, a, has an interesting story. Uh, he overall is very successful in his business, but he, winds up being offered a promotion, a significant promotion, because he's done really well Mm -hmm. in what he's been been doing. Uh, He takes the promotion, uh, thinking, well, that's that's what people do. I mean, if you're offered a promotion, you take it. Took the promotion and the demands of the job became huge, uh, more than he could have imagined. He began to lose touch with himself, with his family, the stress got really high. He was showing symptoms of burnout. it really became very difficult. And this does come from a true, mm-hmm. true it's kind of an amalgam of true stories. Yeah. Uh, but eventually he had to stop to manage that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so Nate's, uh, I would say Nate's fairly typical, except a lot of people get stuck mm-hmm. in the job and they just fall apart. They lose their families, they lose, uh, they lose their health, uh, they may begin to self-medicate. It can be all kinds of things that happen. As a result of just trying to get ahead. Yeah. And there was no real uh, thought on Nate's part ahead of time as to why that made sense mm-hmm. or not for his own experience. And that could have merited a lot of consideration as to whether it, it made sense. In your
1: narrative, <coughs> he was promoted to CEO, but I guess it could mm-hmm. be the same as he was promoted to a major supervisor position with well, skill set's really different than what got him here. I mean, I've seen. We've seen also no instances where someone may be a good salesperson, but not a great sales manager. Yeah. And they think uh, are a really good, uh, you know, assistant or, or coordinator position type coach, but skill mm-hmm. set is different. It's not bad, it's just different. And they get into it because people are, they think that's expectation or benefits, mm-hmm. and then they find out that that's not really either working for them, whether they're successful or not. Yeah. It's, it could, it could, they could be good at it, still not being successful. And you mentioned in their, that the word burnout it kind of mm-hmm. struck with me and I think in our discussions earlier, uh, I've said something along the lines of, it seems to me when people are, say they're burned out, a lot of times that's really, it's a symptom, but it's not really, the, the position's not burning them out. There's something wrong about the position, they're mismatched. They're not, they're either not addressing some of those things that you're gonna be coaching them through or they're not a good fit, they're not doing what they do. Alternatively, you know, uh, if you have someone that's a Steelers football fan, they don't get burned out on Steelers games. Mm. You know, they don't get yeah. burned out on something that they really enjoy and do. You can't get enough of If You're a deer hunter, you don't get burned out. If you're a fisherman, you don't get burned out. Mm. But it always makes me wonder if they're in the right spot. Mm. And then I guess in the reading of your article, it could be that maybe they're not, they, they are in the right spot, but they're not managing some of these things that you talk about yeah. that, that uh, so I thought the self awareness was The first thing in your work was, for him, was like, you gotta be self aware, is, is this something that i in the right place?
0: Yeah, I think that the motivation or the uh, a person's interest, how fulfilled they feel in what they're mm-hmm. doing, definitely has. Uh, a
1: bearing on how fast they may burn out. Do you ever get coaching situations where you, you drill down and you start finding out this person shouldn't be? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> or maybe in a family business situation, like uh, mm-hmm. why why are you running this? Well, I'm the oldest. Yeah, no.
0: that happens a lot. Frankly, uh, you know, from time to time I'll encounter a manager, a supervisor, upper level, uh, maybe in C-suite, and you ask the question about do you really want to be doing this type of job? And they'll say, not really. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. They would rather be doing what they were doing than what they are doing. Uh, but the, the way our society holds us is the prestige of the job and the sense of, you know, I mentioned there about Nate thought he was going to be successful and just really have a great future going forward and things begin to crumble on him. And honestly, it wasn't because he wasn't capable of doing it. Mm-hmm it took too much mm-hmm. of, of of him mm-hmm. at that point and so you know the more the demand the more a person has to really self be self aware and self manage yeah uh, what in my book put stress to work i i mentioned pushing the limits of your capacity yeah. will cause stress and consistent pushing limits of capacity will cause burnout yeah so you have to ed- and learn to ebb ed- and
1: flow uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, I it's not—it's not, not just that you uh, maybe you can't do the job, but you don't want to pay the price for what it takes to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I read in—I uh, read one time one guy was talking about he was a big jazz uh, you know fan, mm-hmm. and he ended up being in the presence of this great jazz musician finally uh, after going to see and he got backstage passes and all this stuff, and, and I think I remember what it, was, it was a jazz guitar or something. And he made the comment to the guy he said, "I'd give anything if I could play that." Guitar like you, I just yeah, be my ultimate thing. And then I looked and said, "No, you wouldn't." He said, well, "What do you mean? I just said it. You don't know me." You know, he, me mm-hmm. he said, "No, you wouldn't." He said, "Look, I practice this thing about six times a day. I just did a four-hour set, and I do that six days a week. Mm-hmm. Now, do you really want to play the jazz guitar that?" And he's like, "No, I don't think I do." Mm-hmm. You know, I think about it a lot of times. I just could do anything if I could, you know, do that. And you're like you don't understand what it takes to do it. But they start to see the the trade-offs for some of what they thought. The grass so, is always greener. Yeah, I a question that came to my mind because this all sounds good and except when you're really in a stressful situation, you know, and you start thinking about the things that are really calling it, I think the thing that pops in my head, and sometimes maybe with people who coach is a disbelief that it can be managed. Mm -hmm. In other words, they probably want you to come in and say, you know, you say, what's what's causing you stress? Well, it's clients over there. Mm -hmm. Well, If you could fix clearance, then I wouldn't have stress. So let's really focus on fixing clearance. Mm -hmm. Let's take the thorn out of my foot and not manage the thorn. Because I thought, that's what I want. This is is all good when things are good. But when things are really bad, I really don't want to hear about managing stress. I want someone to help me fix the thorn. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of, does that kind of run into compliance? They they start telling you the problems and they want you to start Mm -hmm. helping fix the problems. You know, no, I can't fix the problems. I'm here to talk about how you. Yeah. Have you manage to cope with it and deal with it? The one thing you can control is
0: yourself. That's yeah. it. Uh, you can't control the people outside of you uh, because they're going to continue to do what they're going to do. There's some compliance, but, but you know, and cooperation can be. But overall, all you can really do is control yourself. That's true in your family. It's true in your work. Uh, so this self-awareness is asking questions about how do I manage myself in this very difficult situation as it may be? Mm-hmm. and finding those ways to do that are key. Uh, if a person is stressed, there's stuff going on in the brain that basically disables them from doing a real good job of problem solving. Mm-hmm. They don't hear well. They don't, uh, they don't think rationally well. Uh, because the brain is in this fight, flight, or freeze mode, which is not rational. it's not a rational place. And the thing that I say, the first thing to go when that happens is peripheral vision your vision gets very narrow. So yeah. imagine looking through a drinking straw and that's what you see. Mm-hmm. So suddenly your problems become very, uh, you oversimplify the problem and it becomes very narrow. Very
1: acute, that's
0: all you can do. Yeah, and you're not able to see the bigger picture of what what the nature of that problem is. So I suggest some reflection questions in here. One of my favorite reflection questions is how, can, how else can I look at this? So if Clarence is your problem, You might ask yourself the question, okay, how else could I look at this? Maybe what Clarence is doing is really adding value, even Mm -hmm. though it bugs you. Mm -hmm. So it's it's that kind of thing that can help to reflect and say, how can I really make this work? And and the coaching really serves extremely well in that because it it allows a person to push the pause button, be still, and have questions asked that will prompt their own thoughts. A coach is not going to tell you how to manage is going to help you learn for yourself. Yeah, the line I've
1: heard you say so many times I've quoted to others is, what would it be like if? you hmm You know? Yeah. Listen, 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 and then you ask the question, well, what would it be like if, if you did this, if you tried that? hmm And that's part of that getting them out of that tunnel or getting them out of that acute situation. And so what, you, you mentioned in the article that stress is like a fever. Mm-hmm. What does that, what does that mean?
0: I like to say it's, it's an analogy that stress is kind of like physical fever. It's a symptom. When you're stressed, it's a symptom of something else. Uh, It may be a symptom of uh, you're overloading your capacity. It may be a symptom of uh, you're in over your head or you're doing too much, Uh, Mm -hmm. the demand is too big. But it looks like physical fever, so let's think about it for just a minute. Physical fever happens. You don't initiate it, you don't turn it on, it just happens. When fever comes around, it's an indicator that something else in your body is not going just right. And it, it's there to help you. It's there to actually help you get better. And so when stress comes around, it's like that. Uh, we don't decide to be stressed. Stress shows up, your brain is checking five times per second to see if you're safe or in danger. Your brain's gonna throw a switch, that's gonna say, danger. Now, it may be right or wrong because it's not conscious thought. Mm-hmm. It's, it's outside of your consciousness, so it's gonna, your brain may, based on past experience, throw a switch and say, you're in danger, when really you're not. And if you, look at the, if you rationally look at the situation, you realize it, so there are ways to manage that and work through it uh,
1: to self-manage in good ways. And when you <coughs> isolate yourself, yeah. it gets worse. Absolutely. Because then you lose context. Mm-hmm. The problem that you think is bad when you're isolated, that's all you focus on. Mm-hmm. But when you are around others and you force yourself to go and then you come across people who are in similar or worse circumstances, you say, well, my problem is bad. But yet, what happens, I, I tend to think we would probably isolate and self-focus. And, and I guess the problem with the other way of like, hey, that's all well really and good, but I need you to pull the thorn out of my foot because that never stops. That gets into be the hamster wheel of fixing the thorns, and the next Mm -hmm. time it's this, and I've got a medical issue, and I've got this, and you don't understand my brother, you don't understand this, because those never stop. Mm -hmm. That's why you have to work on the part you can control. It's going to be one way after the other those, right? You take that stress as a symptom, and you say, okay, now
0: what is this telling me? What's the stress that I'm experiencing telling me? Is it something about the way I'm thinking? Is it something about the way I'm looking at things? Is it, uh, is it a misperception? Is it a false belief? Is it a, a false assumption? What is it that's driving this stress? Because just like, uh, for example, what the driving Nate was uh, to be successful is to move up. Yeah. So is that a good way of thinking? And is it what he really wanted? And the answer was he really wanted his family was a bigger priority to him. But this actually, went against what were his priorities. So calling us back to our priorities, getting clear about life mission, getting clear about what's really important to us, that helps a lot to manage stress because then we don't take on all the things that the world kind of presses us to take on.
1: <coughs> One of my favorite writers wrote a book on fear, and he defined fear as the perceived loss of control. Mm, that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking so many times whether it's with but just in so many areas, when you when you perceive that you're losing control of the situation, it lies the fear and the stress things to get along with it.
0: Yeah, a major uh, that's a major part of worry, which they're all very that's all yeah. very related. Is worry as uh, a key component of that is the the sense that you don't have control or you may not have control.
1: So now recognizing what it is and how we get there, I want to briefly get on those parts because this is we try to always talk about well, what can we do about it. So it's to, you know have people diagnosed, yeah, oh, I got a problem. What do you do about? it? And you, you have some really helpful hints in here. Practice mindfulness, mm-hmm. being self-aware. And that's, a, that's really important once you understand what's mm-hmm. causing, because so many times when the same thing keeps happening to you, as bad as you hate it, it's because there's probably a reason. Right? You go through it and it
0: happens to you and it's bad, you don't want to think about it anymore. Yeah. One of the best things you can do, you don't want any navel-gazing or any kind of introspection that's not going to be healthy. But you want to think through and say, you know, what happened and what do I want to be different next time? We know that professionals learn by reflecting in practice and reflecting on their practice. So they look back and say, what do I want to do differently? And even in the moment, they think about, well, what do I want to do right now that I need to kind of adjust my course and go forward?
1: Exercise discipline.
0: Yep. When, if you think about it, and anybody who is a CEO or upper-level management or just a busy person, when you think about it, that busyness tends to crowd out any opportunity to just think straight. You know, stay-at-home moms will tell you that is that they are so busy with the kids they don't even have time to think straight, and then they don't get to have good adult conversations. You know, so it just makes makes crazy things. Uh, it's hard to. It's hard to step away from those things and be disciplined enough to say, let's think about this for a minute. Uh, And everybody can do that. Everybody can step back for a minute and think about it. But our world, one of the things about it is we're conditioned to move so fast and quick solutions. And oftentimes your quick solution is not your best solution. Quick fixes are often not your best fix. Uh, They could be, but often not. The best fix is gonna take some Thoughts and research, trying to figure out are we doing a good thing, best thing? That's good problem
1: solving. One of the <clears throat> hardest issues for people to overcome and I've found in the people that I've, found in myself and certainly found in people I've tried to help with is talking, I just, that's just how I am. Huh. They don't have a belief that they can change. Mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's just yeah. how I've always been. It's always worked for me. Where are you like why are you here? <laughs> you know? Yeah, you yeah, know, you've heard this, uh,
0: it's in the schools, it's in a variety of different places. It's this idea of growth mindset, uh, popularized by Carol Dweck. And it's the idea that people sometimes have that attitude, I, I'm here and I'm stuck, is what the truth is. Or I'm here and I don't need to learn anymore. The uh, growth mindset idea is, uh, there's always something for me to learn, and there's always a place for me to grow. Now. One of the things that prohibits that, and often it, the CEOs get involved in it, is they're not transparent enough about what's going on with them in appropriate ways and safe places to actually get to the bottom of that mm-hmm. and say, you know, where, where is it that I do need to grow? Uh, there's a fear that if I say I do need to grow, that somehow or another I'm going to be disrespected. I got to tell you that that is a false belief. Mm-hmm. If, if somebody that you have a place that you want to grow or need to grow, it's going to only increase the respect for you and only going to increase your uh, leadership value, that you're a real person and you're helping them move forward. It'll,
1: it'll increase your employee engagement too, by the way. But well, we're also afraid of judgment. Oh, yeah. If people are going to judge us differently or if they knew that about me, they wouldn't have as much respect for me <coughs> say, and, uh, and so I can't show them my weaknesses. So oh, the, the coaching aspect of it is so important because it's private,
0: it's, safe. it's confidential, it's safe mm-hmm. place. Yeah. I challenge anybody that's listening to us talk today to think about what, what would I be, who would I be, if I knew I wouldn't be judged? Yeah. Who, who, what would I do if I knew that I wouldn't be judged? What would that be? Mm-hmm. And to write that down and think about it because most of the time we don't e- we're not even true to our unique selves for fear that we're going to be judged.
1: I know a person that um, has spent his whole career in, in this one industry, and it's become clear to me that that person would be much happier in this other industry, because mm-hmm. you can just see the energy go up, mm-hmm. and the happiness mm-hmm. and all that, and they've had the opportunity to, to get into that industry. But it would change their own, either because of judgment or maybe their own perception of that, that's just not who I am, that's not what I mm-hmm. It's so clear to me, if this a person were 18, or think about a college major or twenty two thinking about a first job, you know, they'd look at it differently. But now they're way down in the career and they're like they I feel like if I brought up to their kids, now let's think I am, you know, I'm this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but man, you'd really be that and I don't know that they could ever get there. But it just seems so clear to me that they're so energized about like, Do you ever have any breakthroughs like that in your coaching experiences where, you know, that person finds out I know I'm the oldest, but I really don't need to be here doing this. I'm gonna play, go play the guitar, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case may be. You, yeah, you, you know <clears throat>
0: you'd ask them the question I I think in the process of that is I would tell them if I heard their energy and level and their voice goes up, that's a big old indicator. It is. And so um I would acknowledge that to them. You know, I'm hearing your hearing your energy go up when you talk about, say who you would be, or what you would do if you weren't being judged? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm hearing that. So, what is that about for you? And let them come face to face with what's going on with them right at that point.
1: Learn how others see you. That's a hard one. Mm-hmm. Really hard one. Because uh, you don't really want to know the answers most of the time. so, what are some tools to give? What are some hacks? How do you, how do you how do you get that done? How do you how do you get a true picture of how someone really sees you? That doesn't give you an answer that they, you yeah. want to hear. Sometimes you, you, the simplest answer is. Uh,